The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your United States of America. It is Friday, April 5th, 2019, and you are tuned into the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Presented by Hami Media. And in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com. On this week's show, it's time for the long-awaited WrestleMania preview. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. Find the entire HTM Podcast Network online at HittingTheMarks.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day, but give it up for my tag team partner, the man, the myth, the legend, the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me, it's that order the beat of the V, and you are right, Jargo, we are finally here, the holiday of holidays for us wrestling nerds. It is WrestleMania weekend, and it's just not about the big show on Sunday, you know, not, we're not turning heel, we're not turning baby here, we're not talking about that big show, we're talking about WrestleMania, it's not just about WrestleMania, you know, we're sitting here recording Thursday afternoon, I mean, this is pretty much, we've had events going on yesterday, but this is kind of where, you know, the meat potatoes start really starting to get going for this weekend. So many shows going all day. Wrestling is everywhere. Find the streams, find the schedules. You're, you're going to be able to, to open yourself up to a whole new world, uh, especially if you just kind of know the big players, you know, the WWE, the Impact Wrestling, the Ring of Honor, the New Japan and all that. So much more going on out there. Something for everybody, truly. You know, I feel inspired today, Huckleberry. You know, it, it could be the fact that I have four days off and I don't have to see a Windows computer for the next four days. Uh, I saw that you posted that there. And hey, I wanted to ask you before we jump into this, is, is Fort Jargo, are you ready for your big WrestleMania party? I'm, I'm as ready as I think I'm going to get, man. Uh, I, I had an absolutely terrible night at work. I hate everything that's made by Microsoft. I hate everything that's made by Avid Computer Solutions. Uh, they, they, they can all lick the crack of my ass. We are all powered by Apple computers at the, at the, at the locker room studios. It, it makes me very, very happy to be surrounded by iPhones and iPads and Macs and MacBook Pros. It, it just tickles me. Ah, no Windows computers. But, you know, we, we, we've had a lot of other things going on here over the course of this week. Obviously, there was no HTM Sports this week because I got pissed off yesterday because Twitch didn't want to work and Skype didn't want to work. And then I went to work and nothing there wanted to work either. So there was no HTM Sports this week. Uh, but the Final Four is coming up. Of course, our Duke Blue Devils getting knocked out of this thing. Rick, do, do you have a preference? Do you even care at this point? Are you going to watch any of the Final Four? Kind of great that you brought this up. We were having a great conversation yesterday while I was out and about uh, hitting some of the clients. And it just thing kind of kept, it kind of just, I was reintroduced to the same conversation with some different faces about every stop I made. And we were talking about how, you know, you look at in a single weekend, that round there, you lose Carolina, you lose Duke, you lose Kentucky. 
And what is that going to do to your ratings? Is there enough you know, interest and investment in these four remaining teams? And I don't really see where it's there. I, I think, you know, right now, obviously, they always do a tremendous job of drumming up, you know, those emotional stories to try to get you invested there at the last minute. But it's a lot easier when you got those big boys in there where people know about the history. They're gravitating towards them. And Zion, look at what Zion has been doing ratings-wise. Just you know, not all the numbers and accomplishments there, but just ratings-wise. Just the, the general press, the, the focus uh, ratings last week, last weekend. And I gotta believe they're gonna see a serious decline. The Michigan State and Duke game on Sunday, which the Spartans won 68-67, was the highest rated game in that time frame in 14 years, up 4% from last year's number. Auburn's overtime victory versus Kentucky was up 15% from last year's game. Virginia's overtime victory over Purdue up 14% over 2018. Overall, the tournament itself is up 8% from last year with an average rating of 6.7. I think wow. that's the Zion factor. I really think that's what is going on. And, and this pertains directly to professional wrestling because Monday on Raw, Tuesday on SmackDown, we saw the ratings go down and people keep telling me, oh, well, it's because people are cutting the cord. You can't expect the ratings to be just as high as they were last year. Well, I look at the Super Bowl, and the Super Bowl rating was ridiculous. I'm looking at the NCAA ratings. They're ridiculous. Baseball's opening day ratings were obscene. What is going on here, Rick? Well, let's even you know look at the context of what this Raw meant. This is the go-home to WrestleMania. This is when everyone's supposed to be returning. This is supposed to be must-see television, right? It's not, eh, I guess we'll just, we'll go find it somewhere else. We'll wait for the YouTube clips or we'll just read someone's write-up or something like that. And yeah, that is, that is reality of it. That's what individuals are doing, but that speaks to the sad situation, the state of WWE at this time. Yeah. This WrestleMania season just has not hooked people the way that previous Mania seasons have. And, well, and, and to answer your question, though, going back, uh, I, you know what? With all the wrestling going on, especially Saturday night, it, the show that I am probably the most invested in is the MSG Supercard, the, the G1 with Ring of Honor and New Japan. So I probably will not. It, obviously, I'll be flipping over. It, it, it'll probably be on in the background. But I'm not going to be focused in on the Final Four. Yeah, that's kind of where I am, too. It's going to be real interesting to see what these numbers do without Zion and the big hitters. Because, you know, really the only team that brings any kind of name recognition on a national level is Michigan State. As much as I love Virginia and Texas Tech, you know. Well, you it's, know, it's outside of the school's names and the tradition. It's about the stories with the individuals. And right now, the biggest, the two biggest stories are the personalities of Izzo and Pearl. Yeah. Now, if they, can get, if they can get those two in the finals, I, I think, you know, they could they could put together some compelling storytelling to sell this thing. Uh, but, you know, is it going to work on a short notice? I guess I, I'm still suspecting it's going to they're going to have, you know, strong numbers in comparison to past years. But I think you're going to see a dip within what we were just talking about, that 8 percent spike. You know, we talk about all the interest in WrestleMania season and Rick, the biggest story of the week 
has absolutely been this John Oliver thing. John Oliver on last week tonight taking aim at WWE. It's not anything that happened on Monday Night Raw. It's not anything that happened on SmackDown. It's this John Oliver piece. This is the thing that I see most of the internet wrestling community buzzing about. Not a good sign three days before WrestleMania. Hey, this is this has been the hot the hot topic. And it's even gone as far as, you know, I'm one of the few out there, as you said, everyone is buzzing. Everyone has a take on this thing, but I'm one of the very few that I've seen out there. Maybe me and the professor are the only ones coming to somewhat of a defense here on behalf of WWE. And I've, I've pushed the button so much so that I actually got invited onto a, a radio show in New York to try to defend the, the standpoint of defending the corporations here. You know, and, and I may surprise you a little bit because I halfway agree with you. Um, I, I agree with most of the John Oliver piece. What I disagree with is him taking shot at WWE. This is not a WWE thing. This is a professional wrestling thing. And that's where my issue from it really stems from. Well, even outside of that, I mean, we can start looking into the world of boxing. You know, it's MMA, you know, the UFC, there are no angels when they handle their talent there. No. Now, obviously you're getting some more perks there because I mean, they have to because of the fighting commissions. Yes, the fighting commission, and you know it actually is a, you know, a combat sport where we're talking more entertainment. The aspect with WWE, yeah, and that's really where I'm coming at this thing. Is it, to me, it was an unnecessary shot at, at WWE and kind of presenting them as the only wicked entity within the realm of professional wrestling, which is not the case here. And, and I'm not, and, and I know a lot of people. I can't believe that you would stick up for them over the boys. That's not the stance that I was trying to make in any of my conversations. And, and if anyone hasn't seen those, you know, how I felt about it to kind of lay it out there, you know, my point was, I think that the, the boys, the talents, they should be making more. I think right now within WWE, they get what, five to 10%. It's an 8% split revenue versus the contract status. 8%. Now, and, okay. So yeah, I, I think, yeah, they should get more right there and there should be some, you know, they should be afforded some, you know, medical coverage if you will, or some kind of retirement, that would be great. I don't think you need a union to accomplish any of that. I mean, we've, we've seen in now a society where we're outgrowing these unions. I mean, there's so many, you know, protections put in place to, you know, to make sure that the, the workers' rights are being represented. And that's across the board. You're seeing moving away from unions. My point there, well, you know, my point here is, you know, great. WWE could offer something like that. That's great. But what happens with the trickle-down effect? Right. Impact Wrestling can't even pay livable wages. You, you go over to the Hameen Media Group on Fridays. The guys that are in the know that are talking to people that are there, Ben Hameen, Stevie Richards, they regularly talk about Impact Wrestling cannot even pay livable wages. That's why you see these guys working on these different indies or these other, you know, streaming promotions. What, what happens to them? What happens to MLW when they're going to have to be forced into this? You're going to... You're going to cause those promotions to fold, thus, you know, in a reverse effect here, taking away opportunity where people can earn money. Well, and this kind of in a weird way pertains to another conversation that we had planned on having on HTM Sports this week. I feel like the independent wrestling scene and the NCAA are very much kind of in the same boat. 
to where the the players inside of the NCAA, they're not getting royalties for their jerseys with their names on the back of it. They're not getting royalties for their likenesses in the video games. It's not until you make it to the NBA where you're actually getting into the union, you're getting these perks. So I, I as, as far as the trickle-down effect goes, the way I feel about it is if WWE changed it, that's one of the perks of making it to the WWE, whereas all the other independent promotions would be very much like the NCAA. So there is that argument, and I understand that argument, and that's kind of how I feel about it. I, I, I guess here's my my issue, all right, with, with the WWE pertaining to this piece. They could have changed things. They haven't changed anything. While, while the salaries have remained exactly the same, while the company has ballooned into this multi-billion dollar company, the boys themselves are not getting any more of a revenue split. If the WWE were to go to a 20% revenue split, they could double what they're putting out right now. That would supply insurance and whatnot to all of their workers. Do you, do you know, we, talk, we keep talking about this revenue split. Is that wrestling operations or company in general? Uh, that I don't know. I would have to dig further into the financials to to, to get that information. Okay. That I, I was, don't know. Well, I, I was wondering, you know, what what are we basing that off of? Because obviously, you know, if we're going company wide, you're going to have a, a you know that's going to significantly increase that that financial figure. Right. Obviously. Okay, but you know, another thing here as well, and I do I like your comparison there with the Indies can thrive as an NC double way a feeder, if you will, until you can actually you know you get the opportunity. To go to WWE. Absolutely. Well, you know, someone like an AEW trying to, you know, they said they want to change the game there. You know, but This I, is it, how it, you do it. It's it, it's not increasing the salaries and trying to buy in more talent. That's not how you do it. If you supply a benefits package like that, talent is going to come to you instead of the competitors. Well, I mean, I'll, yeah, I mean, it's just one more, one more stake they have over the entire you know, industry. Yeah. I mean, I, w- I would ra- rather than, cause we've heard talks of like with the NFL, it's basically a 50, 50 split between the players and the ownership. And we have heard that that's kind of how Tony Khan wants to do the AEW thing. I think it would be better just do 30 and then save that extra 20% for the medical and the benefits package. And, I, and I've seen this comparison with the NFL and the splits, you know, in hockey, in the NBA, I think it's it's fair to make a loose comparison, but that shouldn't be the guiding rule because it is completely different there with actual athletics where they, they have to have the absolute best in that field or the perceived best in that field for them to for them to survive. We've seen we just saw the American Alliance that was a second tier league because of the quality of play there. They couldn't survive. You know, they couldn't get the interest. And that's what would happen to the, the NBA or the NFL, if they would have to have a lockout and bring in replacement players. Now, in wrestling, you have a different dynamic, though. They're all very re- replaceable, and they've made it that way. I mean, how many times have we always talked about it's ultimately about the brand itself, and everything else is an interchangeable part? They, they have very few true stars like we've seen in the past, like the Hulk Hogan, uh, you know, an Austin, a Rock. They got away from that intentionally. Even Cena never was allowed to hit the, those heights. But don't you think they would go back to creating stars if they had to invest more money into the talent? 
I, I yeah, I, I agree with you. Well, I agree with you wholeheartedly there. But that's not the scenario right now. So, so they're keeping them down. You know, it's ultimately unless you're a McMahon, you're never going to rise above the WWE brand, and that's just about keeping them significant. You know, significant in case they would sell. On the other end, though, I, I, someone was bringing up a point that back in the it was like late '80s, early '90s, there was an individual. And I don't want to throw anybody out there name names, but there was an individual working the main events against Hulk Hogan, and they were selling out 15,000 seats. And in the main event against Hulk Hogan. Their cut was $800. Now, I can see, well, there's 15,000 people here. I only got $800. Well, that's a pretty good cut for a night's work. Uh, I'm sure Hogan's getting double, maybe triple that, because it's his name on the marquee that they're coming to see. Now, was this individual making this 800 Was he splitting his with the curtain jerker that was maybe getting 200 that night? If, if they didn't sell, if they didn't sell the 15000 and no one showed up, were they going to help Vince front the, the arena, the rental, all the marketing, the tickets? Were they going to were they going to chip in for that if it bombed? I, I want to bring it, to, it just because they're a corporation and are a promoter doesn't make them ultimately evil. They've got a lot on the line here. You know, yesterday, I came from a, a great, a great meeting with Battle on the Borders. We're moving forward. We've got some big announcements here. We're, we're growing events by the year. You know, we're already looking forward to 2020 and some and some events. Levins is the one on the hook for that, right. for getting the, the rental and, and making sure that he's you know, securing the equipment that we need and all that. And he makes sure that, you know, there's always something there for any, all the talents working. But, you know, if it bombs, something happens, he's on the hook for that. We have to take into consider, consideration everything that goes into this. Ultimately, it is their investment, is their livelihood. And for these talents, at this, you know, all the way through, this is this has just not been WWE. This is how they did it in the Deep South. This is how they did it in world class. It, yeah, it's, it's just, just it's, the wrestling business never evolved, and neither did the business model. Right. And, but, and I, you know, there was talks, you know, Ventura tried getting the union thing going in the 80s, which that's when it probably should have happened if you were going to make a run with it. Now, in, in this age, is not the time. And I think the other thing that kind of plays into this <clears throat> Excuse me, I sound like Joe Atherton over here. Um, the other thing that goes into this is WWE has to be very, very careful if they want to maintain this. Because the more they start talking about getting awards like Emmys, the more pressure they're going to be under for those wrestling talents to actually join the Screen Actors Guild. And once that happens, the business model ain't going to be like this anymore. Well, and that's that has to be one of their biggest fears, that they would start opening those doors because that that is the union. not starting their own union if they could be absorbed by a, an existing one that would be the angle to go with here and that would that changes everything they can't have their cake and eat it too you well, can't that, be an emmy award-winning tv show and pay your talent and treat them like this hey that ultimately forces that forces their hand on everything yeah i mean that that's when you could start seeing like off seasons yeah that's that's when things change drastically if, if they really want to pursue this Emmy thing, which is on their own accord, and if they do that, the Screen Actors Guild is going to come. Well, let's, let's change the gears here real quick. Let's talk about what we talked about the other night, off air, that this thing right now, it could just be the most elaborate work that WWE has ever pulled over the sheep's eyes. Yeah, that's absolutely a possibility as well. 
uh, because immediately we saw WWE came out and invited John Oliver to WrestleMania so they he can personally watch their operations. And I immediately said to you, I was like, even if he went, even if he went with a full camera crew backstage, unless you're going to sit down and open up the books and actually dig into the financials, he's not going to see anything that pertained to anything inside of this piece. What I think, too, was more interesting is before they invited him, they fired back. And that was what really got me that they were even acknowledging this Yeah, because you know WWE would no-sell that shit. Right. Yeah. They don't want to they don't want to give the rub to somebody who's blatantly it is, you know, in my view, it was just a pointless. You know, at the time, I thought it was pointless. And then I really started thinking about this thing. You got casuals talking about WWE three days before WrestleMania. Well, going back to the piece itself, they they were very fan friendly. They defended the fan. They they made a very strong point to regularly mention it's the fans who can change. Sometimes they have to listen to the fans. Vince McMahon might not listen to his his employees. And they were also putting over how they were also putting over how great pro wrestling was the whole time. Yes. It, it had a very positive spin on it, but that just had that one negative connotation connotation where it was it's about this workman, you know, the, the workers' comp, if you will. Doesn't the other part of it almost make you wonder about Bernie Sanders? Like, you know, let's go ahead. Let's invite John Oliver. He's a big wrestling fan and he will lose all credibility by coming to WrestleMania. I wonder how far they're going to go with this thing. Because going back to this, he's encouraging the fans to start a chant at WrestleMania. Now he's invited to WrestleMania. This whole thing to me screams absolute work where it's WWE they kind of know that there are these pressures, especially with the talk of AEW that they want to take care of people that are injured in the ring, blah, 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 so-and-so. So if you're WWE, how do you get everyone excited? We were going to do that anyway, but let's make the fans think it was their idea. Yes, yes. Kind, kind of like throwing Charlotte Flair into the triple threat match. Let's right. make the fans think it was their idea. Well, and look and look at the you know the mindset of today's fan. They they want to drive it. It's it's our industry. We're the driving force. You know this Daniel Bryan Kofi mania. It's going to be this is it the workers mania here. We're going to make the movement for the for the stars that we love. And all the time this was the plan. And now and now you're going to be excited for WWE. We changed WWE. We we're the ones that changed the universe. It's us. But you're still hooked on them. You're still there for them, and you're eating out of the palm of their hand. You know, what's what's really, really funny is uh, I'm not necessarily a mind reader, but I can imagine a bunch of our listeners right now are thinking that is absolutely ridiculous. Come on, guys. There's no freaking way. But there's that little thing in the back of your head that's thinking Vince is a diabolical psychological mastermind. And, you know, this is possible. Hey, you know it he's, is. he's manipulated the masses before. And this right here just might just be his greatest work. This might be it. I, I, it's going to be interesting to see if they show Oliver on air Sunday. Well, and, and if, if he even shows up. What are they film that? At? He's based out of there, right? I'm not sure where he's based I, out of. I, I'm I not a John was, Oliver fan at all. I, neither am I. I just that whole kind of daily show liberal agenda is way. I'm out of touch with that damn thing. But uh, I think they are based out of. Out of New York. Well, you know, it's funny uh, that I could, you bring could be, up, could be on the West, but it's funny that you bring up the liberal agenda because I have an amazing quote here. One guy that does not agree with us 
and this surprised me a little bit, Rick, is Jim Cornette. And he says, after a complete viewing, this is the absolute most truthful outside media piece I've seen on wrestling in over 40 years. That kind of surprised me coming from Jim Cornette. Uh, okay, here, here would be my question. Because you know, you know the respect I have for Mr. Cornette, uh, how much I study all of his work and, and take in everything he has to say. Why wasn't he offering any kind of health insurance at Smoky Mountain Wrestling? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, he, he's, he's been running territories. He knew, how to, he, he knew how to manipulate the promoters from territory to territory to make sure him and the Express were getting their ultimate paydays. And another, another side of this as well, and it is kind of sad because we've seen, especially now, uh, I think it was Mark Henry and someone else is involved. They started a GoFundMe to help out Kamala. Yeah. And it is sad that you get to a point here, but a lot of this has to also has to do with bad investments. Jim Cornette's sitting great because he knew how to invest and save for his future here. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. That's a very good point. And I, and I get it. You know, you're living that rock style lifestyle. You think it's going to last forever. And I wonder, you know, even going back, going back then, what was like the average run in WWE? You know, like in the NFL, running backs only what like three to five years. Yeah. I mean, what was the average run for an individual to make that top money? Because yeah. even by even by working for that evil WWE, you were still getting your ultimate payday. I mean, that was still the biggest payday in the industry. I'm happy that you brought up AEW because I was going to make that same point that, you know, if you guys really want to change the business, this is how you change the business. Uh, put, putting pressure like that on the WWE, a company with AEW's backing to take that step could strong arm WWE into doing something very, very similar. Well, it, what you do here is you get the fans, as we were talking about, you plant the seed that the fans are going to make this movement happen. Then WWE comes out late May, just before a big event going on in, in Vegas, comes out and says, we're going to offer the first time ever in professional wrestling history. We're actually going to take care of our workers. They're becoming employees or, you know, some kind of, we're going to offer our independent contractors a health insurance program, a 401k, something, you know, some kind of retirement system. But then you got to get into you get into this, and that's and that cuts out, that takes the legs out from AEW, and they no sell AEW that they even had mentioned it there. And you're getting head, you're getting headlines everywhere because the general PR will pick up and run with that. AEW did announce their announce team. The last couple days, Jim Ross officially signed with AEW. It sounds like he will be doing some commentary, but mostly he is going to be there to assist with the production of the announced team. Uh, but it sounds like for major events, Jim Ross will, in fact, be on commentary. Your, uh, the rest of your announced team, Excalibur, who has been basically everywhere since All In. Uh, he is one of the co-owners of PWG, which is also a interesting uh tidbit to bring into this obviously he has a great relationship with the bucks going back years alex marvez who we have seen at these rallies i'm kind of assuming that he is going to be the play-by-play -play guy on the shows that jim ross is not doing and then shift to a color two position he's done a lot of work with the miami dolphins he's done a lot of radio um and as far as his sports background paired with excalibur's brand of color commentary i think that's going to be a very nice pairing i'm just not sure how jim ross fits into that when they go to a three-man booth well they need to go to a three-man 
could they just swap out the play-by-play? Well, I guess you could do that. And I and I do like the idea that that JR is going to be used for those big spots because immediately, you know, that lends so much credibility to having him call, you know, that first big, that true main event or your your first your title match, you know, when you're crowning a champion. Well, I assume he'll do all of double or nothing. But like for the TV product, he won't be right. there. Okay. Yeah, I, I could go with that. That's kind of what I'm assuming. <clears throat> um, Alicia Atout will be your backstage interviewer. Obviously, I think everybody inside of the pro wrestling world knows who she is. She's the interview queen extraordinaire. Thought that was a good pickup for AEW. As well as Justin Roberts is going to get back into the ring announcing business. Justin Roberts is one of those guys you either love him or you hate him. Huckleberry, which way do you fall? It's kind of funny that you kind of said that because I'm I'm indifferent. Really? Yeah, I, I guess I don't really have an opinion. I, I love the big Justin Roberts John Cena introduction. I got I, that. That's that's going to be one of those voices that 50 years from now I'm going to be able to impersonate Justin Roberts doing his John Cena introduction. I, I will say, isn't Roberts the one that kind of got shortchanged with the uh, Connors cure? Yes. Okay wrote a book about it that's that's what i thought yeah it's really really good you should read it if you haven't sure you can find it on amazon uh so that was the big aew announcement for wrestlemania week are you what do you think i mean is this gonna make enough rounds to keep aew relevant inside of this mass chaos that's going on inside of new york city this weekend i'm gonna be more interested and this is kind of goes back to what cody said a couple weeks back he doesn't want AEW to be all that involved with WrestleMania weekend. As he put it over there, he said that's their thing. You know, and as someone that wants to run as just not an alternative, but as an actual competitor, they, they don't want to step away from it. You know, they let WWE have their moment as the way he really put it over was he had an incredible Kenny Omega. Uh, the fans were very excited for it. Lots of hype. But at the end of the day, it just felt like we we're just a side attraction for for WWE, and that's true in many ways. But I understand why the other promotions run it because hey, it's the wrestling world is ascending on whatever area WrestleMania is in, and you want to bring as many new eyes and grab all the attention that you can. It's it's the hub. It's the hot. It's our holiday, and everybody wants to be a part of it. And I know. Hey, the guys, you know, here on our network, the PW Hustle, they're all going to be going to shows. Uh, Big Ray over on the Humming Media Group. From the impact attack, he's he's attending his first WrestleMania. I know how excited he is for that. So it's it times that by a million, you know, individuals, and you want to be a part of that. Now, I will be interested to see if if that was kind of Cody working us again, where maybe he doesn't get involved, but we see AEW these invasions continue. Yeah, I'm wondering if we're not going to see the Bucks at some point this weekend, if we're not going to see Kenny at some point this weekend. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if we would see them tonight at Impact Wrestling United We Stand, which is the next thing I actually wanted to talk to you about. You know, we, we, we did the ROH Supercard preview. We've done the TakeOver New York preview. We're getting ready to do the WrestleMania preview. I, we're not going to do a full preview because this is probably going to drop about the same time this show is starting. I am going to release this week's episode a little bit early just so we can get the WrestleMania preview out. 
But this United We Stand show looks really, really good, Rick. I, I, I'm kind of thinking about buying this card. It's only 20 bucks on Fight I, TV. I was going to say, it's, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth there. It, I started looking at it, and some very intriguing, just not just names, but matchups. Uh, it's. I guess we're going to run through this thing real quick, and it's. And I will going in say, you know, I. I don't really. I'm not as loyal to Impact as as maybe I should be. I get a lot of my news just listening to to Big Ray and and MSG over on the Impact Attack. Uh, I know they're excited for this thing, but looking at it, I'm with you. This is something I want to watch. I guess my issue is is they're kind of treating this like it's a non-canon show. Like there hasn't been a whole lot of creative going into the show. They haven't necessarily talked about the show as much as I would like. They're much more building to rebellion on April 28th, where this is more being presented as impact wrestling versus Lucha underground, which they did last year. But this year we're also bringing in wrestle pro and MLW. And it's more of just a feature show. Uh, Joey Ryan versus Tessa Blanchard in an intergender match. I absolutely expect that Tessa's going to win this thing, but just I've seen Joey Ryan in intergender matches a million times. And I know how the match goes. I, I, I know the formula to it. I don't see Tessa doing none of that bullshit, though. That's why I'm intrigued. Well, I could see, even if it does go the normal route, I mean, how how many new eyes are going to be seeing that? Yeah, but you know, do it's you not, see you know, Tessa doing that? Like, that's not Tessa's character at all. Well, you said yourself, you know, this is, it's non-canon. So this is going to be one of those special attraction shows, a novelty act, if you will. I, I don't know. I think she's going to probably get in there and have fun with it. I think Tess is just going to beat the ever-loving shit out of Joey Ryan like Hangman Page did. Maybe try to murder him with a phone. LAX is going to take or on. Or did we get maybe something for Tessa where they uh, they mimic a little Priscilla Kelly where uh, you know oh, Joey does God. the flex up. And then, you know what? Tessa's got bigger balls than you, buddy, and she flexes up. That would be entertaining. LAX is going to take on Low Key and Ricky Martinez. Rick, this match has really been built around the Low Key versus Conan feud that went down inside of MLW that ended with Low Key stabbing Conan in the middle of a wrestling ring. Uh, if you are a follower of the Impact Press Pass, you heard Low Key accept this challenge on our airwaves. This thing's going to be freaking violent, and I'm very much looking forward this, to it. This is really the match that jumped off the sheet to me. Yeah. This is what I'm coming for. This match right here, this thing is going to be It's going to be violent, it's going to be wild, and it's going to be fun. This might be one of the – if given the time, this could be one of those matches come Monday that we're talking about as match of this holiday, if you will. Yep, absolutely. Here's my big thing. I, I saw on the run you didn't include it. What's that? In the corner. I'm sorry. What's that? You cut out on me. Is De is is, is De Laurenta going to be in the corner? I don't know. I hope so. Anytime I get to see Selena De La Renta, I'm all about it. Uh, for for those out there that are not familiar with Selena De La Renta, you, you want to talk about smoke shows. Yeah, you want to talk about someone that you know just is overly easy on the eyes. Probably, arguably, the most beautiful woman in professional wrestling. But on the flip, she can absolutely bring it. Her character work, her persona is on point. She she knows how to without even having she's tremendous on the mic. 
She's great at anyone she's representing, but she's one of those individuals that just her body language in that corner. And she tells that story. She's adding to everything that is going on. She is she is truly one of the, the top talents in all professional wrestling. Uh, just excellent across the entire board of what she has to offer. This one jumped out at me as well. Team Impact, Cage, Moose, and Eddie Edwards versus Team Lucha Underground, Drago, Daga, and Aerostar. Cage, Moose, and Eddie Edwards? Those guys all hate each other. And now that you mentioned that it that this is kind of being presented where it's not necessarily canon, how are they going to interact here? Because that's when I saw this too, as I said. you know, I, I'm not week to week with them. I, I loosely follow the, the storylines and what's happening. But even I know there's some bad blood here. Like, I don't even know how, you know, if we're talking in the narrative, how these guys can even coexist in an arena together. Now we're going to put them as a team in the ring. Yeah, that's going to be a very, very interesting dynamic. Uh, Then we have this Ultimate X Invitational. And I don't understand this because the X Division Championship is on the line later. So what, what are they doing Ultimate X for? Like well, I, just the show, like you said, this is a little not. I know, company. but they want to get that match out there. How do you but why win would it? You put that, they'll just have a big giant X up there. I know, They've but how do you win? You go up and get the X. Oh, 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 they, they'll have, I, I got you. When you said a giant X, I just thought you meant the crosswires. No, no, like, it's yeah, just, of course. no, it's, it's literally like an X, oh like a simple, God. and it's just chained up there. They've done it before. I'm not putting my body through that for nothing. Like, no way. Those matches are crazy. There's no way I'm doing that for nothing. Like, just for the sake of having a match, I'm going to do an Ultimate X? You're insane. Johnny Impact is in this match as well as Jake Crist representing Impact Wrestling. Dante Fox representing Lucha Underground. Jack Evans representing AAA. Cotto Brazil representing MLW. And Pat Buck representing WrestlePro. Rick, the thing that stood out here to me is Johnny Impact and Jack Evans, neither one representing Lucha Underground, both of them on Lucha Underground, oh yeah, in a faction together called the Worldwide Underground. So I'm hoping that we get at least some kind of a, like Jack Evans being like, hey, we're homies, right? And then Johnny Impact beats the ever-loving piss out of him. Well, and even more than that, I hope we get it where it's like a standoff of them in the ring and the mic is tuned up enough where we can get the the exchange between the two of them. And you get impact with something like, I don't know, no, I don't know who this Mundo guy is. Johnny who? <laughs> yeah. And then he just like slaps the shit out of him. That match is going to be awesome. Then we have Monster's Ball. We're having a Monster's Ball match with not a whole lot of creative behind it. Again, it's a showcase. But my God, it's Sammy Callahan versus Jimmy Havoc in a Monsters Ball match. We don't need creative. More violence. Let's cheer more violence. Because that's what this thing is going to be. Pure violence. Man, this has to be one of the few Monsters Ball matches, you know, with impact that didn't involve Abyss. Yeah. Well, it was kind of Abyss's match. Right. But if... I wonder if there has, I mean, there, there probably have been like one or two with other individuals, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe they all had a this involved. I kind of like them doing, you know, just the monsters balls and the impact match. It doesn't need to be a business match. No, no, I'm okay with it. I just, just, you know, a little interesting note there. 
If you don't like blood or violence, do not watch that match. The Knockouts Championship is going to be on the line. Taya Valkyrie defends against Rosemary and Jordan Grace. If I remember correctly, Jordan Grace is currently the number one contender to Taya Valkyrie's Impact Wrestling Championship, and that match will be going down at Rebellion. You throw Rosemary into it for the spectacle that is Rosemary, but if they want to make a big name here, go ahead and switch the title. Put the title on Jordan Grace. I mean, if you're going to have a rematch here in just a couple weeks anyway, and then you can do whatever the hell you want, but if you want to make some headlines over WrestleMania weekend, go ahead and pull the trigger. Put the title on Jordan Grace. I go with you here. Yeah, you said you're hoping to draw, you know, pull some some new eyes to your product. Let's go with this. Let's go with it here. Put it on uh, a young, fresh talent with a tremendous look, grab people's attention, and then really start building towards that rematch at, at your, you know, your your solo big event coming up. Yeah, because you you got to try to grab headlines because there's so much going on this weekend that would absolutely do it. And the trick here that brings up a bigger point here with Impact, they got all these other outside talents coming in. You don't want that to overwhelm everything that when these people do return to your product, one of the points you really have to drive home is this is impact. I mean, we've, we're, we're partnering with these other individuals, but this is impact. And, and you want to come back to impact wrestling. Rich Swan defends the X division championship against Flamita. Rick, have you seen much of Flamita? Do you know who I, Flamita I, is? I, I'm familiar with the name, but I have not seen much. Uh, for those who, who don't know a whole lot about Flamita, Bandito's tag team partner down in Mexico. Uh, um, okay, I did not know that. And Flamita has been rumored heavily to be making his way to Ring of Honor in the immediate future. So that'll be an interesting story to see kind of play out as well. This match will be crazy. Uh, Rich Swan's going to win, though. Extreme Dream Match. This is your main event of the card. And, Rick, this, this, my stock in this went way up earlier today as the Impact Tag Team Champions, the Lucha Bros, are going to take on Rob Van Dam and Sabu. And the big story of the day, RVD has re-signed with Impact Wrestling. Now, he will not be at Rebellion on April 28th because of a prior booking that they're going to let him honor. But RVD going to be on my TV every week. That makes me very, very happy. And I think RVD, even at 48 years old, can bring a lot to Impact Wrestling. Well, just, you know, what he's going to be able to teach to this young crop that they have there. And the name recognition to get people to actually watch the show. And that goes back to, you know, a lot of... Now, let me ask, you're excited about this, but when I throw other names out, oh, that's terrible. But they're using them for name recognition. For a company like Impact, I, th I think bringing in a former WWE World Champion, surefire Hall of Famer, at this point, you know, I, I kind of view it as Terry Funk in ECW. Well, that's what that was the that's what they did back there. Yep. Even before before Funk, it was Snuka. Whenever you know, still East Coast wrestling, yep, or Eastern Championship wrestling. You know, it was let's, let's bring in Snuka, but he can work the mid card, but he's recognizable name. People are going to be drawn in because of him, and then they're like, "Oh, holy shit! This Shane Douglas kid can go. This Tasmanian Devil can go. This Sabu guy can go." But to try to compare somebody like an Austin Aries to the name of Rob Van Dam. Yeah, well, like I'm saying, like, like whenever I like the mention of Goldberg and AEW, I mean, you almost is like nauseating to you. 
well, the, there's a, there's a lot of different parts to that. Yeah, but and in, and but a big part of it, generals. a big part of it is the fact that it's Goldberg. Goldberg has never been a professional wrestling guy. He's never loved professional wrestling. It was just something for him to do after he got hurt in the NFL. I, I just not, I don't think Goldberg is the right talent for that. That's not the point. Of, that's not the point of it. That he had to love it because guess what? More people knew the name Goldberg than Rob Van Dam. It's true. There, there's a reason that you know that he was wrestling in front of hundreds of thousands and never you know went through that bingo hall experience. And I'm not knocking that in any way, but he has the name power. That's a good point. I I feel like uh, Goldberg doesn't bring a whole lot to the locker room that RVD will. No, I, I agree with you 100 on that aspect. I don't think. You know, when you bring in someone like Goldberg, it's probably just that necessity, you know, just because I have to, how you doing, you know, make a run through real quick. He's not going to like sit and talk about stories on the road because he doesn't really have those. He doesn't have the experience. Right. He, I mean, he just truly is that name value. Whereas RVD, I think, can actually bring something more to the business than just his name value. I think RVD is a really smart guy. Going to be getting high as a motherfucker. Have you seen RVD's new documentary? I have not. Uh, he recently released a documentary about concussions in professional wrestling. Really good stuff. RVD is a much smarter guy than you would uh, necessarily think for a burnout like our uh, rap band Dan. A lot. I've always, you know, just assumed a lot of that. He knows his persona and he knows what sells. Yep. Exactly. You just got to you just got to be chill, bro. That's what that's what people relate to. So let's go ahead. We'll throw it over to the musical break. When we come back, it's WrestleMania preview time, Rick. We'll try to keep the show under 6 hours. All right? Under 6 hours as we preview WrestleMania. Let's throw it over to some Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. This is Crimson and Clover. We'll be right back. <laughs>
Hey, this is Stevie Richards. I'm here to tell you, you don't necessarily need all this equipment to get in the best shape of your life. All you need is this, a resistance band. I'm so excited to offer the 12-week resistance band training program to you, which features an interactive PDF with full overview videos, modifications, descriptions of all the exercises, scalability, no matter what fitness level or what age you are, the PDF scales the workout to you. Also, after your instant download of the PDF, you get full direct email support right from me, as well as access to a Facebook group with an awesome interactive community. I can't wait to help you take control of your fitness journey. So just put in stevierichardsfitness.com, go to the store, and... Hey guys, this is Mrs. Matt, the queen of merch at youngbucksmerch.com. You're listening to the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. All right, Huckleberry, so we're back for segment two, the big WrestleMania preview. Um, I guess let's let's start things off with Joan Jett. Joan Jett's going to be in the house. She's actually going to play Ronda Rousey to the ring with uh, her rendition of Bad Reputation. You like Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, Huckleberry? Uh, they're right up there with Justin Roberts. Ah, gotcha. I, I, I enjoy me some Joan Jett. Although- I'm indifferent, but I, I do think this is going to be a, a pretty epic entrance. I, I kind of question it, really, because like this would have worked a whole lot better for me when Rousey was a babyface, because people are going to want to cheer Joan Jett and boo Ronda Rousey. Like it, it's going to be a very weird dynamic when Rousey comes out. Uh, yeah, but I, yeah, I see where you're coming from there. It's it's going to be a little conflict, but yeah. I, you know, with them, I, I don't think they really care. They're worried about the overall heat on this thing and. I mean, I think it'd I guess be we'll cool. Get to that. I just think I I, I thought I think it'd be better if if Rousey was a babyface. Um, one thing before we jump into WrestleMania, we we have had some spottings and people are losing their minds about it. Big Show, Kane, and Bray Wyatt all spotted in New York City. Big freaking surprise! It's WrestleMania. Of course they're there. Right. I, I, I'm surprised that people are surprised by this. Yeah. I. I, I as we just talked about, this is, you know, this is WrestleMania weekend. This is the entire world of professional wrestling is ascending onto New York. Of course, they're going to be there. Yeah, I, I thought that was very odd that people were so excited about that. Um, I, I really think when I look at these names, though, uh, obviously, Glenn Jacobs, we know what he's going to do after WrestleMania weekend. Uh, Bray Wyatt, hopefully, will be returning at some point. He's been cleared forever. We're just doing nothing with him. Obviously, him and JoJo are having a baby. That was a big story here a couple of weeks ago. I don't really care. But I, I, why haven't we brought Bray Wyatt back to TV? You saw him back in what November? Uh, yeah, at at Starcade. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was him and uh, oh, who did he wrestle there? It wasn't Ambrose? That's who he was scheduled to. I can't remember. But anyway, it was it was the same old act. Uh, they just brought him in as you know, just a special attraction there. They filling out that card for Starcade. Do you think it's just been they, they don't know what to do with him? Because let's be honest, you know, to return from someone like Bray Wyatt, because I mean, it's not like he's going to return and be thrust into a main event. So, and it's almost like, you know, when we talk about people getting moved from NXT to the red or blue, it, it's just tough all around. If, if you're returning to the mid card or making a move like that during WrestleMania, because there's so much of the focus going towards, you know, those returning and those marquee matches. 
like poor Kevin Owens. Guy was scheduled to be the the one of the main events of WrestleMania against Daniel Bryan, and instead he's hosting the Kevin Owens show on the Go Home episode of SmackDown. You know, just kind of how things work out sometimes. You, you talk about a guy that ultimately got screwed by Kofi Mania. Yeah, right? It's Kevin Owens. Uh, the other guy is Big Show. Uh, hopefully, what I'm really hopeful for is that Big Show goes down to the Performance Center as a coach. Because I want Big Show working with guys like Punishment Martinez and Donovan Dijakovic and Keith Lee immediately. I think that would be a great addition to the Performance Center with that crop of talent they got down there. Right I, I now. wonder how how effective he would be in a position like that. Because for how many years was the knock on Big Show about you know he refused to really get in shape and didn't really take care of himself? And at certain times we've heard about a bad attitude. And these are this is coming from oh, Stevie Richards talked about it. Yeah, that's you know, true. Who, who worked there with him? Is he better suited for that, that that larger than life but lovable figure as your ambassador, especially with all the stuff that he is doing with Special Olympics? That's a good point. Yeah, because he is doing a lot with Special Olympics at this point. Oh yeah, I mean, he's and he's, he is one of those individuals. You look at him and you think that guy's got to be a pro wrestler. Yeah, I mean, obviously, and, you know, he, he has that star quality for you, and especially it. But on the flip side, it seems, you know, he's so good with those kids and all that. You know, they're drawn to him. I, I wonder if that, you know, what they're doing with him now is where he should remain. So let's take a look at the card. Uh, start things off with the pre-show. We do know that both of the Battle Royals are going to be on the pre-show. Uh, Rick, I saw the other day, it's a two-hour pre-show. The first hour is going to be across all their usual platforms, Facebook, YouTube, WWE Network, etc. Second hour of the pre-show is actually going to air live on the USA Network. On the USA Network. So the pre-show, I, I thought this thing was going to be three hours because they were advertising a four Eastern start. Oh, maybe it is three hours and I heard things wrong. That's entirely possible. Okay, uh, well, but WrestleMania starts at 7, correct? Eastern? I believe so, yeah. Okay, so I was thinking it was 4 to 7 on that pre-show. But yes, I, I did see that they are. And they did this last year. They ran an hour on USA. See, I couldn't remember. I'll, I'll watch yeah. it on the network anyway. Right, so they, they did have it on USA where they ran up to it. Uh, which, yeah, I, I think it's great you know, to try to get that, that, last little, that last little push. So the Women's Battle Royal... Obviously, there's a whole slew of names in this thing. Only a couple of them that really matter. I I think I've got this thing down to three potential winners. Um, Asuka, I think, absolutely has to be considered one of the favorites, um, especially with the backlash that we've seen from the Internet when she lost the championship. Um, Lacey Evans, I think, has to be one of the favorites to win this thing. It seems like this would be a good launching point for Lacey Evans. And the other one I'm going to throw in there is Shayna Baszler. If Shayna Baszler loses the NXT championship at TakeOver New York, if they want to throw her in this battle royal, have her go in there and just take out everybody and use that as your launch point for Shayna Baszler. I'd be behind that as well. I'd almost, I, in either case, I would love to see her in this thing. I'm with you there. I'd like to see it with the title. I don't I've think already, she's going to retain, but I've already beaten everybody in NXT two nights ago. I just went through a fatal four way. You know what? Now I want to step up and I'm going to beat 19 of the best supposed best in the world. 
Have it come down to Asuka and Baszler, and that is your program going forward for the SmackDown Live Women's Championship. Oh, wait, no, no, Asuka lost that to Charlotte Flair. Uh, So that's just the program going forward. Uh, The Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Rick, I I, I hate to say this, but I feel like one of these douchebags from Saturday Night Live is going to win this thing. I was was with you on that until Graves went off for like five minutes putting it over that one of those guys was going to win on Raw. Well, here's a confession. I didn't watch Raw, and I didn't watch SmackDown, and according to the ratings, a lot of other people didn't either. Yeah, so you're not alone there. But yeah, he went on this rant where he was putting over one of the two. Uh, I think Shea was going to win it by turning on the other guy or something like that. Uh, this thing has been, uh, sadly, and, and you know, everyone knows, I'm a sucker for you know the Battle Royal gimmick. I love it. But what they have done, what this, what this thing could have represented, even from the get-go, you know, honoring Andre the Giant, using this as, you know, everybody's got to be on the show. This is a great way to do that. But here, once again, it's not about serious competition. They haven't presented it as it, – it doesn't have to be for a championship opportunity, but we should know going coming out of this thing, almost like, you know, going back to the old school King of the Ring. We knew it was a launching – it was a launching pad. Whoever wins this thing is keep your eye on moving forward. They're going to pick up steam through the summer and have a, a hot remainder of the calendar. But now we've got items like this where it's a, it's a PR stunt and a joke. Yeah, it's unfortunate. So honestly, with it, um, I think you're going to get a moment there with those two clowns. And I'll, I'll say Gronk wins it. It sounds just as good as anything else that we could throw out there. Hey, well, though, going back to it, as we put over a couple of times, they could save all this entire thing with Andre, you know, Battle Royal with making a true WrestleMania moment and having Walter enter this thing and him and Braun. Somebody going to get these hands. Having that, that standoff there in the middle of the ring. I want to see that match so bad now. I've got myself just completely talked into that match being awesome, even though it would be nothing more than a slap fest. Tony Nese is going to take on Buddy Murphy for the WWE pre-show championship, otherwise known as the Cruiserweight Championship. Um, This match, it sounds like it's going to be on the pre-show. I'm going with Tony Nese to win this thing. It feels like it's about time that Buddy Murphy drop it. And I think it's about time that Buddy Murphy, quote unquote, graduate to SmackDown Live, kind of like Mustafa Ali did. Make that move over to the blue brand. There's nothing left for him at 205 Live, and it's clear when it comes to personality as well as in-ring work rate, Buddy Murphy is the cream of that crop. Yeah, really, I don't have a preference here. I could see, is he still, I think he's still chasing to be, you know, that record. Oh, is he? I believe so. Don't don't hold me to that. Okay, well, uh, so well, it, well then I will renege and go with Buddy Murphy to retain and face Kushida as his next opponent. <laughs> well, again, you know they come with Nisi, and we've we've heard all this talk and rumors of these these tremendous talents on their way that can help two hundred five. My and God, this, get them there already! And this is our WrestleMania match. Yeah. <sighs> it's it's kind of sad. I'm. Are you expecting Kushida uh, Friday night at Takeover New York? I kind of am. At least in one of those uh, sitting front you know, row. Yeah. Guess who's here? You know those little spots. Uh, same with Shane Strickland. I, I expect Swerve Friday yeah. night in New York. Um, 
I'm really excited about Swerve joining NXT. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's talk about the the main roster, main card of WrestleMania, and, and let's start things off with Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe defending the United States Championship, hopefully against Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio reportedly injured on Raw. Rey confirmed that via Instagram, saying, suffered an injury on my right ankle this past Monday night on Raw against at Baron Corbin, WWE. I thought it was very, very nice that he tagged Baron Corbin in the message. Praying to be ready for Mania this Sunday. Rick, if Rey Mysterio can't go, that's a real big blow to this card. I understand that, you know, the build to Rey Mysterio versus Samoa Joe has not necessarily been everything that I had hoped it would be, but that's a match that absolutely feels worthy of WrestleMania. Uh, yeah, especially with that name power, with Rey Mysterio being there. That's especially, you know, talking about bringing casuals back. People know Rey Mysterio. You know, even if you've stopped watching for the past decade, you know who Rey Mysterio is, and it's and it's likely that you loved Rey Mysterio. So, I, and you you're talking about Tag and Baron Corbin. Uh, that's it's it's funny to me because now it's a reminder that Baron, Baron Corbin has potentially ruined a second WrestleMania match. <laughs> Tremendous. Thank you, Baron Corbin. Hey, if if Rey can't go. Let's correct. Let's correct everything. Let's go back here and, and give it the stage that it properly needs here, and, and somehow get rid of Corbin and and let's go Joe and Angle again. I'm all for that. Uh, and put the belt on the line. Yep, I'm all for that. Uh, I feel like and the put other Kurt, had put Kurt over and and have him retire as your United States champion. I, I think the other logical match that you could pencil in here would be the match that we saw on SmackDown Live this week. Samoa Joe versus Mustafa Ali, no longer known as Mustafa Ali, now just Ali, which I'll never say he's Mustafa Ali. There's only one Ali, and it's not Mustafa. Um, but this match was basically a squash I felt like this was Joe over strong. We're trying to rebuild some credibility for Samoa Joe going into WrestleMania. I'm not sure I need to see this rematch. You know what? If maybe, maybe that is the backup plan and you go the squash route there. Hey, we just saw this kid just get destroyed. But this time around you have Ray in his corner. Do we really that hype want, man, you know, you link, you link the legend to the new upstart. Yeah, but I feel like if you go with Samoa Joe versus Mustafa Ali, Mustafa Ali is certainly winning that match. And I yes, yeah, I mean you have to go, you'd have to go with the title switch. And I feel like that really hurts Samoa Joe. I feel like Joe takes a bigger loss there than Ali gets a win. You, you know, you might not like this. I know you hate when title switch hands, but come on, let's talk about this. Let's be serious about the state of the United States Championship here. I think you know WrestleMania is about those moments. You could have a great moment for someone, obviously a young kid they are high on, they see a future with. You link Rey Mysterio in there in the corner. You know, maybe Rey, if he's good enough to go, slides in during a spot, hits a 619. We see Ali have that moment at WrestleMania. Joe's kind of just taken off. You know, he's taken off because he wasn't expecting, you know, this Rey Mysterio interference or whatever. You can write it off to that. And then I'd immediately have Joe win that thing back on Tuesday. So you, you have that you have your moment, you have that footage. You've given Mustafa Ali that rub there, but then you go right back to Joe. And I don't think, you know, taking that one loss if you if you frame it correctly is really going to hurt Joe. I mean, the, he, 
the problem is times? it's not just that one loss. It's every big match that Samoa Joe has, well, he loses. Well, I know, and that's I was gonna say we we constantly talk about that with Joe. When is it finally gonna kick in where you stop buying him in these big matches? But I don't think it's here yet because Joe is so good at what he does, he immediately draws you back in. And especially if you go Tuesday and he just pretty much murders Ali and gets his belt back, then I think you keep rolling. Why don't we just do Prince Mysterio versus Samoa Joe? Give me Dominic versus Samoa Joe. Maybe that's where this story goes. Maybe the whole thing's a work, and this is just to get Dominic in the match. Hey, I mean, we're talking about, you know, that moment. I mean, hey, you know what? I know what this meant for you, Dad. I'm going to go out there and win this thing for you. And in that case, though, because we've got so many happy endings going around on this WrestleMania, or, you know, presumably. Joe I'd have Joe destroys him. Murders him. Get <laughs> Like you build up this, have you know the commentating team put over how important this is, and, and you've got, you know, Rey Mysterio is so emotional beforehand, and you've almost got tears going down Prince's face. Boom, clutch done. <laughs> so just, Joe chokes him out with that psycho look on his face, staring down right, you know, the with, whole time. With Joe, Joe wouldn't do it in seconds though, because the way Joe is, he would want to toy with him and just put him through all that punishment. Give you a couple of hope spots, maybe like a roll up two and a half or yeah. something. Yep. The Flying Dutchman take on the Bar versus Nakamura Day and the Usos for the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championships. Of course, tonight at TakeOver New York, we'll see the Flying Dutchman take on the artist formerly known as War Machine for the NXT Tag Team Championships. I can't make a pick until I see that match. Because I feel like the outcome of that match directly affects how I'm going to call this match. I'm just so disappointed that we're not seeing the Raw championship somewhere in this thing. You know, pre-show. Well, that's what I mean. I feel like it's very, very possible that what happens here is you have the the Flying Dutchman capture the NXT Tag Team Championships. Then they win these on Sunday. And then Monday night at the biggest Raw of the year, they unify the titles when they take out the Raw. I I could get behind that. You see, you have three days, you know, three days, three events. Yeah. To me, it would just, it, I think it would be much more impactful if we could see it like on Friday and Sunday and yeah. then celebrate it on Monday. But if that's the route they want to go, then, then so be it. Cause, you know, they're, I mean, we're already going to be pressed for time on a hard to believe I mean saying this. We're going to be pressed for time on a seven plus hour show. But I could go, I could see them going that way. And I, I that's what I'm going with. That's what I think. I think they, they're going to walk out of takeover with those, with those belts. And also what I really like about that is, and hopefully they don't drop the ball here, let them show up at WrestleMania with the takeover tag team titles. Absolutely. That 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 has to be part of the equation. Absolutely. Um, I would also get behind, um, and this would take a little bit of work, not a lot, but a little bit. Um, I want to see Hanson and Roe come out at takeover and say, not only is this matchup for the NXT Tag Team Championships, it's also for your spot in that match on Sunday. Let's take out the Flying Dutchman and let's put in the artist formerly known as War Machine and put War Machine into this match because I, I'm I'm done with the Flying Dutchman. As of WrestleMania, I'm ready to split these two guys up and let them do their own thing. Now that's that's a I like I like what you're presenting here. Hey, you know, you've earned this. You've ran through the Dusty Classic. You guys have been hot. You've been up on. You've been up on Raw and SmackDown wowing those audiences. 
it, it, it kind of puts that, you know, that chip on the, the Raiders' shoulders. You've been doing all of this, but yet the NXT Tag Team Champions, we've kind of been an afterthought. Where's, where's our t- TV time been? How come you're getting all this exposure across all these brands? You want these tag team belts? We want your opportunities. Put them on the line. And if you want to throw War Machine into that, I'll take War Machine over all these teams. In either case, I think you have to make the move on SmackDown to whichever you know team it is because that division is just in dire need of something exciting to ignite some interest there. Yeah. But we, we, we talk about, you know, looking at the size comparisons with Ricochet and Aleister Black versus guys like The Bar. You throw War Machine into that match, that size difference is gone. And you can make War Machine into stars real quick and in a hurry by having them take out six of these guys. I would love to see a Usos versus War Machine program. Well, and, and it also comes down to how they were going to probably would present the Raiders at WrestleMania because it's going to be a new audience. And we've seen repeatedly how they drop the ball when they transition with somebody or individuals from NXT to the blue, you know, the red or the blue. I'd say your safe bet is because people are familiar with them and they're, they're going to WWE is going to love the highlight reels that they're going to get from someone like Ricochet and black inside that WrestleMania room. That's a very valid point. Very valid point. So we're going with team NXT over. How the hell are the, how the hell are the Hardys not involved in that? Uh, uh, That almost makes me think because they're both involved in the Andre, the giant battle Royal. Right. Um, last year, wasn't it last year when Matt Hardy won the thing? And that was when we saw the, the beginnings of uh, the deleters of worlds. Or was that two years ago? That was last year, wasn't it? It had to been. Yeah. I almost wonder if we see Bray Wyatt there because there's only because there's one name short for the Andre well, Battle Royal. Well, that we assume. Yeah. To get us to to what? 20. Right. Yep. Yeah, but they've had uh, they've had odd numbers in there like where they randomly just throw people in like one year there was like 33 people in it oh weird huh no yeah they don't they don't stick to that traditional 20 man heart of the phoenix takes on lop takes on the iconics versus the boss and hug connection defending their wwe women's tag team championships um i'm going with the boss and hug connection uh, and this would be Sasha Banks's first successful title defense inside of the WWE, even though she's a four-time Raw Women's Champion. This would be her first successful title defense. I'm going with the Boston Hug Connection, although I would really like to see the Iconics win it. They've defended the belts. Have they? Yeah, they beat uh, LOP. Oh, I must have fast-forwarded through that. <laughs> Uh, I believe I believe it was for the, the titles there. Yeah, because they were talking. Graves was talking about how, yeah, she's great at winning titles, but she can't defend them. You know, as his regular attack against against Banks. See, that should have been the build. That should have been the whole build to this match is can they actually defend the titles? Well, it's just at least, a, a you know, a side story to put some doubt into your mind, you know, bring it up that Sasha is she can win them all the time, but she can't hold on to them. I would love to see the Iconics win because I thought their promo on SmackDown was hilarious. I thought, you know, their their work this entire week, uh, both on air and through social media, they're really they're turning it up right now. Uh, they're getting people are are taking notice, and this is what you wanted from the Iconics. 
know, who were one of those people that, that got lost in transition. I still think less is more, though. Giving them two minutes of TV time is great. Giving them five minutes of TV yes. time, nope, too much. It's almost as soon as you click over to that 201, it's just, it becomes nauseating. You know, it just, you, you just want to hit the mute, drown them out any way possible. Less is more, certainly. Talk about the outcome here. Boston Hug is a safe bet, you know, because they just won these things. These are fresh titles. You want to establish that first reign. But I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think the Iconics really have a chance. I think we're going to see them have some spots that are very memorable here. I think they're going to emerge much stronger. Not giving much, I'm not putting any stock really in LOP. That, no. I, that doesn't do anything for anyone really. Nope. Uh, but I could see them pulling the trigger for Natalia and Phoenix. You know, you've got. With the Hart Foundation going into the hall, it's going to be a very emotional weekend for Natalia, uh, who's not afraid to you know let you know let her emotions kind of shine out. And then you've you've got you know a longtime friend and you know a Hall of Famer herself and true legend and Beth Phoenix right there. I mean, my I guess my logic is if they drop these titles, if the Boston Hug Connection drop these titles that's just bad WWE booking, which we've seen them do before. Cause remember when they established the women's championship, when we dropped the divas title and we went just to the women's championship, think of how they played hot potato with that thing just to build a lineage. Right. Uh, so right now you just, you need to have an established run with your first champs. And I'd say, you know, maybe the earliest would be SummerSlam and that might be too soon, especially with the, you want to really obviously look outside of your top three, and Ronda, Becky, and and Sharshar, a very dis, you know dismal division that needs a focus focus point there. And showing some respect to your tag team division certainly is going to you know help that out. And you want to go that route. So with that, you know what I'd really do here for Natalia in that moment, I would put together some sweet Heart Foundation themed gear for those two, and give them the full Heart Foundation entrance. That'd be pretty cool. I think, you know, and that's their moment there. And it let them go in there and shine during the match. But it just wasn't enough. Boston Hug. Sasha gets, you could even sell it. It's that first big defense on a grand stage as WrestleMania. You know, like a pay-per-view, a marquee event. That's the right call there. Roman Reigns takes on Drew McIntyre. We're getting to the beef now. Of course, I've already predicted this will be the WrestleMania main event of Mania 36 down in Tampa. Rick, when I'm looking at all of the potential for, you know, Robert Kraft Mania, happy endings all the way around, I feel like this is one where if we're going to kick off this story the right way, Drew McIntyre could win this match. In fact, I think I'm going to pick Drew McIntyre to win this match. And we're looking at all these happy endings. You're right. And where people were, you know, Kofi's got to win. Becky's got to win. Oh, we're going to, the Miz, you know, he's got to go over. Roman Reigns returning from cancer, WrestleMania. This has to be a moment here. This is one of those swerves that would really pay off in the long run. And it would, it would mean so much for Drew McIntyre. I was leaning Roman Reigns winning this match, and then they did what they did on Monday Night Raw. It didn't involve Roman Reigns. It didn't involve Drew McIntyre. It involved Finn Balor. If we are going to get Demon Balor at WrestleMania, as big of a joke as it may be, the Demon has to win. So that's another baby up. So I'm going with Drew McIntyre to beat Roman Reigns. 
Uh, I'll go with that, which could present an interesting dynamic. Roman Reigns goes down. Dean's leaving, not even on this thing. Could be a rough night for the Shield. And you could have Rollins getting chewed apart by the Beast. Suplex City, bitch. Which way are you leaning? Are you going with Demon Balor over Bobby Lashley? I think I'm going to say this. I'm going to go 90-10. And I'm saying that because let's the biggest joke in WWE programming this week and this go home How was this demon was, was this demon stuff. And I know you didn't watch watch the show. Did you actually? Did you I watch saw the segment? segment. Yeah. How I mean, just overall just the awful. production. I mean, couldn't, why did they need to do, I mean, just, it was so terrible. The smoke and the tongue, the tongue was, was absolutely terrible. <sighs> why I mean, did we, come on, dude, that's not. And then the transformation. Yeah. It, it's just, did, why do we, if, even if you're going with the demon at WrestleMania, which in itself is a mistake because it shows you absolutely have no idea what this thing is supposed to be about, what it could be about, what it should be for your marketing. Yeah. How profitable this thing could be. Just not that you're disrespecting the purpose of the gimmick. You're shooting yourself in the foot for how marketable this could be. The finances behind it. Couldn't he just, why did we need the transformation or anything? Couldn't he just said, I'm bringing a demon of my own, like just tease it. Yeah. And and the thing that's so frustrating about it is if you, if you go back before the universal championship match between Finn Balor and Seth Rollins, and the video packages that they were running with Finn Balor explaining the demon and the history of the demon, the folklore of the demon. That was all awesome. Sitting in the dark room with the purple smoke, all that shit was super cool. Now they're trying to turn it into a supernatural thing. It's not a sci-fi gimmick, you know? It's just, it, it's part of his personality that he's tapping into. It's not, he's not the incredible fucking Hulk. It just, you know, it just speaks again to they they don't understand it. And it's it's amazing that no one's speaking up because they did it right in NXT. And they, they, they started it right on the main roster. Right. Well, and they had to remember they had to push it really quick and they and they set it up perfectly. They explained exactly what it is. Now it's you're right now. It's just Undertaker esque kind of thing where well, and it's almost just why they ruined Bray Wyatt because yeah. they tried to push it too much like an Undertaker deal. Where it was supernatural, and that's not going to work here. And, and I understand, you know, the argument could be made if I mentioned, did they have to show the demon? Well, for for people, they want to see that. There ain't, there's not one individual that was on the fence about watching WrestleMania and saw that and was like, oh, I, that's what I'm doing Sunday. Yeah. Change my plans. Change my plans. There's a, there's a guy painted up like a demon. The entrance will be cool. I'm looking forward to the entrance. But I don't even I don't even know if I'm fully going to enjoy that because I know how piss poor this entire thing is. And the the way Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush were hedging on the demon, it, it's just it, it did nothing for anybody. Well, it, it, you're talking about the entrance is going to be cool. How is it going to stack up, though? I mean, you got Joan Jett playing in Ronda. That's going to be a standout. You know, you Hunter's going to do some crazy you know, Hunter shit. And Hunter and Batista are going to go over the top. And Seth we'll Rollins will probably do a Game of Thrones thing. Right. I, where's it going to stack up? And if you're not invested in actually the match and the personalities, ultimately, why do we care? Yeah, that's a very good point. 
You know, the match I'm most looking forward to at WrestleMania is AJ Styles versus Randy Orton. And I know I'm going to be disappointed. I know it's going to be a three-star classic. I know I'm going to get a two-minute headlock in the middle of the match. But the way that they have built this thing up, Rick, I am really looking forward to this match. I thought the segment on SmackDown on Tuesday was awesome. I absolutely loved Kevin Owens and the way that he sold the entire thing where he was just like, oh, my God, these two guys are about to throw the fuck down. And he just sat his microphone down and he stood up and he walked the hell out of the ring. Dude, I, I absolutely love that little touch. because it, it was it, great. You're going to this next level, you know, KO is like, I'm out of here, man. Yep. I didn't, I didn't sign on for this. Yep. No, I didn't say a word. Just got up and left. It was awesome. I thought that entire segment was freaking great. Oh, no, hold on. Do you think you think KO and his head's just really thinking like, fuck this. I was supposed to be in the main event. <laughs> well, which I guess begs the question, you know, there was some talk floating around on the internet that Kevin Owens was going to get added to this match, which made absolutely zero sense to me. What is going to be Kevin Owens' role at WrestleMania? Is he does he even have one? At this at this point, we're we're not going to utilize his in-ring abilities, right? So let's use the personality. Kevin Owens is one of your best personality. He's got he can be funny, he can be dramatic, he can be whatever you want him to be. I'd have him crash the hosting duties. Well, we heard Alexa take a shot at Kevin Owens when she was on SmackDown saying that he was out here acting like a better talk show host than she is. I almost hope that they pair those two together because I have a feeling that the two of them playing off of each other could steal the entire freaking show. Well, and I think it, it ultimately, you know, it, it's going to be that nice transition phase for you, you know, to get you through a certain down points, throw those two together for a little skit. You know, it changes the gears. You're not just worried about in-ring action. You can sit back in and laugh a little bit. And, and you have you know, the dynamic of Raw versus SmackDown. Right. I think that right there in itself would be tremendous. So, yeah, have him crash the hosting duties. I think that could be fun. Uh, I think it would, it would add a lot of fun to the, to, to, you know, to run it throughout the night. It's going to be a lot more fun than anything they do with the uh, correspondence. I, I'm hedging a little bit now. I'm still leaning Randy Orton wins this match because I can't imagine that in a feud that is being built around the independent scene versus the WWE, that the WWE doesn't win. But after the way this segment ended on SmackDown Tuesday with AJ going for the phenomenal forearm, Randy popping up and hitting the RKO out of nowhere, which was a really cool spot. 50-50 booking says AJ wins at WrestleMania, but I'm still 60-40 Randy Orton. I'm I'm close with you. I'm about 50-50 on this thing, and not in the WWE sense. More so, I don't think this is the end. This is the beginning. I hope so, because I like this feud. And, I, you know, last year at WrestleMania, we saw it was the beginning of, heck, what, six-month program for AJ with him and Nakamura. Yeah, I think this is the beginning. So I, th I could see AJ getting this win to start this thing off to really get, you know, those same people that are going to be leading the charge for health insurance. They're the same darlings that AJ's fighting for here. I could see him getting the win out of the gate. And then, you know, ultimately it's a, it becomes a work. Well, we let you guys win at WrestleMania, but I think at the end you see, you see Orton, Orton firmly. Yeah, well, and that just wins it. But you know that the WWE made superstar was dominant. I really like this feud. 
And I think if you have a motivated Randy Orton, this might be the best match on the show. I think it's, you know, talking about where this is just going to, this is the start. As I actually, you know, thinking back to what I said, I really like that as well, because you go into that lull after WrestleMania where it, I mean, especially, you know, within a month, it gets really hard to watch uh, until they really turn it up about two weeks to SummerSlam. It, it gets could keep us entertained through that stretch. This is what could keep you coming back. And it's a great story. You know, it's it's that it's WWE versus the indie darling. Is this the curtain jerker? For the main card? Man, I, I could see it falling in there. I, I just, I think we're going to get this somewhere on the back end. Right in, you know, maybe on the kick off the second half, if you will. Interesting. Shane McMahon versus The Miz. Falls count anywhere, which means Shane is going to jump off of the roof of the Meadowlands. And, uh, well, falls count anywhere. He might jump off the Statue of Liberty. Oh, yeah, that's a possibility. Um, I, of all the matches on this show, this is probably the match. Well, this one and the Kurt Angle Baron Corbin match are probably the two that I'm least looking forward to as far as the matchups themselves. Mm, you know what? I've, I've kind of fallen off a little bit on this myself. I thought they had a tremendous story here. I, I you know, it was kind of writing itself out. It, it felt rushed at some points. Uh, but for me, I mean, this is a classic story. You, you got to be able to feel for the Miz here. You know, everything that's that's kind of come into play with the family and and now, you know, with they just had the uh, the premiere of season two of his reality show. You get to see that side of them. I think people are really starting to you know, see a lot of, you know, themselves in the myth. Or he's very relatable now for that. And I think it's someone it's going to be like a coming of age here, win or lose for the Miz at WrestleMania, where he can actually he's going to emerge from this thing as someone that could be the face of the company or, you know, one of those top names for you. But I do feel like it's maybe because there's so much going on, they had to, you know, focus their attention, but I feel they pulled back some on this thing and it has kind of cooled my interest a little bit. I feel like Shane wins. Um, again, when I'm looking at the card and I'm looking for heels to go over, I, I think Shane wins. I think it's a better story going forward. You have I'm Miz, with you 100%. Miz positioned as the baby face. All the sympathy is on him. Shane does some insane spot and gets the one, two, three. That's that's kind of how I'm leaning. You know, in booking this match, everyone's thinking, all right, this, this falls count anywhere. I'd almost, I'd leave out the big insane spot from Shane. That would that would that would put heat on him. Yeah, but he ain't gonna do it. I know. He's well, an it, egotistical attention whore. Well, and in, yeah, he's McMahon. Vince is gonna be, you know, egging him on to do something like that. And it, all from the rumors that we heard, you know, Vince was against Shane even being the villain. Yeah, there's no, there's no way people love my son. <laughs> there's no way they're gonna cheer for the Miz over him. So yeah, they're they're gonna in their mind they're going to try and make. There's going to be something here where Shane is one of the highlights. You know, the surefire highlights of WrestleMania. But I'm with you. I think ultimately it is the right call. Have, have the egotistical man win this thing. Because in the long run, it's gonna, you're going to ultimately put more sympathy on the Miz here. People are going to feel for him more. And that's what you want. Hey, hey, we, we, we got all that. But let's, uh, let's hang up and reconnect. You're starting to go Robo Rick on me.
after these messages. We'll be right back. All right, so we're back. We've, we've got phone Rick instead of Robo Rick. Um, let's talk about Kurt Angle and Baron Corbin. Uh, it seems this match is still going to happen, Rick. At some point, I think we're going to get John Cena on this show, and it wouldn't surprise me if it ends up being John Cena and Kurt Angle having some kind of a a moment, a spot together, but I don't think it's going to be a full match. I think we're going to get Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin Sunday at WrestleMania. I'm almost at a point where I'm done being upset about this thing. Yeah, I just want it over with. Yeah, it's, you know what, I'm... I'm looking forward to it because this will be the perfect opportunity to go refill the beverage, get some grub, you know, use the restroom, whatever. I mean, that's what this is going to turn into. Catch the entrance, catch the exit, you know, the farewell from Kurt. Uh, it really doesn't matter what happens in between. This just came to me, though. I mean, could we see where Corbin part of this has been? He's trying to mock Angle. You know, every time he comes out, you know, he's uh, a former boxing champ or what football, but we know whatever it might be. He's reminding you, you know, building his resume and how great he is and, and how much we should respect him. I, you think it would be overkill. Like if he went out there and started mocking the ruthless aggression speech. Oh God. I and Cena answer and Cena answers it and takes him out. Oh, I could and see then that. Ask, and then ask Kurt to come out here to have a, a fitting a real fitting farewell match i could see that i do think we're going to get john cena at some point the way that it's things are shaking out either here or something to do with elias see to me that's even more useless this that whole elias thing as well i'm not looking forward to it all that act is just from heel to baby whichever way you want to look at it it's stale to me yep over it Triple H versus Batista, no holds barred. I thought Batista cut the best promo of the week on WWE TV. It was short. It was quick. It was simple. It was straight to the point. And you didn't have to wonder what Batista was thinking. He told you, Hunter, you can kiss my ass. I thought that was the best promo of this entire program. I'm I'm just, I understand that we've positioned Triple H as the baby face here, but this match really feels like Hunter must get his win back. That It feels like that is the entire story of this match. Well, you know, less is more here, obviously. Uh, they've been trying to draw us in, and they've actually, you know, they've become so long-winded, it's it's killed some of the heat on this thing. Yeah, uh, These two are these two are big, bulking monsters. They, they look like professional wrestlers. That's what the appeal is. You put on this stipulation with this thing. We know it's going to get violent. You know, from that very, you know, from the from the get-go, the violence that we saw from Batista, you know, inflicted upon Ric Flair, that spoke volumes. This here, short, sweet, to the point. Those are the two highlights in this build. Everything else in there has just been kind of a cluster because they've tried, you know, they've gone long-winded and tried to overthink it. This thing just needs to be personal, and that's what it should be about. Triple H obviously wins that match. I feel like that's just obvious, a foregone conclusion. Or it's just one of those cases where, you know, they get us with that swerve. Where you know Triple H always gets that heat. He goes, you know, the perception that he goes over all the time at WrestleMania in these or these big matches like this. Is this one of those? See, it doesn't always happen. 
Yeah, and, but, and it, but it's, it's a career it match. It doesn't always happen. I I know. So that in itself, you're thinking there's no way. All right, go ahead, pull it, pull the plug on it. I mean, this is wrestling. You can always finagle your way back out of it. I almost feel like we get the rematch of this thing in Saudi Arabia in May. Quite possibly, yeah. All right, let's talk about the three. But you maybe a confused finish where Batista does win. Now he's seemingly retired, but there was, you know, it's it's very confused. Something backfired, so they they coax Batista into agreeing to a rematch in Saudi. Yeah, got to get that payday, make it worth it. Because I mean, if you're gonna, this was gonna happen in Saudi. Why wouldn't you wait and put the match stipulation on it then, or yeah. the career stipulation then? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very valid point. Let's talk about the triple main event. At least that's kind of the way that this thing is being billed. Um, and I think this is probably the least important of the three, unfortunately. Seth Rollins takes on Brock Lesnar for the WWE Universal Championship. If you're looking for one of these three to not get their happy ending, I think that this is the one. I, I feel like Brock Lesnar retains here over Seth Rollins. Nothing about that show on Monday when I read through it felt like the the Seth Rollins era was about to begin on Monday Night Raw. You know, that was one of the, over at the Bleacher Report, and I, I don't want to completely take a shot on because they, they, you know, they do work with the gorilla position who we partner with and all that. Uh, but sometimes the articles over there, the stuff that they come up with, the individuals that they have right is that we're, we're going to see the, the donning of the, the Seth Rollins as the face of WWE. That's what's going to happen at WrestleMania. It's like, have you been paying attention? Do you realize how cooled off this has been? His focus on this run hasn't even been Brock Lesnar. He is so scatterbrained. He's all over the place. So when the actual challenger who, and it's and you've brought this up too, and, and, they're, and they're blatantly making about this. This isn't really personal. I, I want to show I am actually the best in the world. I, I'm going to take down Brock Lesnar, who is perceived as the baddest fighter, in, no matter what genre you're from. It is simply you need to cheer about this because potentially we're just anybody's can we just want anyone to do it to, to get the title off of him. So we're not really there's no heat in the match. It's just about, you know, individuals wanting the belt to be present every week, which I'm not in that camp. I, I love Brock Lesnar with it. I think yeah, this is definitely going back to it again. It's kind of the theme here. Less is more. He is, and I've seen people, he's a coward. A champion should be there. No, he's a prize fighter. That's the gimmick. That's what you're supposed to get from him. He doesn't care and love about it. He cares about money. So he'll come when the price tag is right, you know, when the when the contract's there. That's the whole point. So assuming Brock Lesnar retains the WWE Championship of the Universe, and assuming that Drew McIntyre puts down Roman Reigns, who is the next challenger to Brock Lesnar in Saudi Arabia? The Hulkster. Oh, for the love of freaking God. Oh, I, God. I'm telling you, you know there's conversations about that. Oh, God. You know there's conversations. Could you imagine what they would pay for a Hulk Hogan championship match over there? Oh, my God. Just the thought of that nauseates me. And then after that, I mean, they're going to want a special attraction over there. Then after that, who cares? I mean, obviously, what realistically you probably could get is just do a rematch with Seth over there because it's not going to, you know, it's more about just having Brock Lesnar there and him getting that payday yeah. than anything else for those, for those individuals. And then you have months to figure out what to do with your next challenger because it 
presumably wouldn't come until SummerSlam. Right. And plus you have money in the bank in there as well. So if there is any Brock Lesnar sightings, we do have the potential of money in the bank as well. Uh, Kofi Kingston takes on Daniel Bryan for the w- even use him for that. What's that? Do they, that's, that's more about the cases than anything. Right. But whoever wins the money in the bank, when we do have Brock Lesnar in attendance, there's always the potential of somebody cashing in. Yeah. How excited was that with Braun Strowman? I mean, how much did they, that thing was a train wreck. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when baby faces win a heel gimmick match, you know, that, that's pretty much that. What was it like? that Lesnar was going to be in the building and Braun was worried about something else. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't, you only get to see this guy like twice, right. like, you know, like twice like a year, twice right? every six months. Yeah. You're worried about what someone did to you last week. No, you, you focus on that championship, dude. Yeah. Nobody cares about the championship. Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan for the WWE eco-friendly mid-card championship of the world. I think this probably is outside of the women's triple threat, your, your biggest match that they're going to be putting on, which means it'll probably be third or fourth from the top. Uh, I, I, as much as I felt like Monday night raw was not the beginning of the Seth Rollins era. I felt like Tuesday on SmackDown was absolutely the beginning of the Kofi Kingston era on SmackDown live. I think Kofi's going to win this title on Sunday. What we're talking about those major happy endings. I think this is the moment. This is the one that the fans are going to get. Now, what's going to be interesting, you know, is where this thing is placed. You know, how long is that feeling going to last? You know, what is it going to mean for matches that follow it? I'd almost, I'd really love to see this thing go off. If if we're going to structure this thing like a sport, like a sports game, right before whatever halftime is. Yeah. So you can drop confetti and and celebrate and, and agree with it or disagree with it, put over you know, a first true black champion. This should be the main event. I feel like that. I feel like we should be going off the air with this moment because I think this moment is going to be that big that it should be the, the go off the air moment. I, I, I know that we're, we're going to talk about Rousey and Charlotte and Becky, but even Becky standing there with both titles held in the air, like Daniel Bryan with the confetti going off and everything. It's not going to be the moment of Kofi Kingston winning the WWE championship. This is going to be the biggest moment on this show. Well, you know, this, it, this really is. And it, it's, you're speaking to an entire community. I know, you know, the African American community, they're rallying behind this thing. And this has potential, you know, to, to go far beyond professional wrestling. I mean, your your general news platforms are going to pick this thing up. And that's one of those the buzz items that you want to put out there in a certain contest. Because you don't want to remind everyone, hey, it took us to 2019 to put our championship on a black guy. But but you, know, you, you phrase it properly where history was made. And even outside of that, it's just not about white and black. It's just not about race. This is a guy who started from the bottom. 11 years of dedication and going, you know, taking that journey. And every fan of every walk can relate to that. You know, that, that, great, that great hand that was never going to bust through the ceiling for whatever reason is getting an opportunity to succeed. It's kind of like Randy Orton said to AJ Styles, you know, you think that your legacy is going to be that hard work pays off. Well, it's not. Well, no, it's not, because that's going to be Kofi's legacy, because that's the story that we're telling with Kofi Kingston here. Right. 
And that's and that's that moment here. It's going to be tremendous for all the fans that have followed along with Kofi on this journey or anyone that's dreamed of that. And it's just not in professional wrestling. You can relate that to any industry, any line of work, just life in itself, the struggle that you don't think you're ever going to bust through. And look, it can happen. I'm with you. I think that should close. Uh, that's a that is a much bigger story than once again patting yourself on the back for your your women's lib movement. And that's no disrespect to the women. That's just the way that these programs have been built. Right. When you when right. you go back and you watch that segment from Tuesday when Kofi Kingston stood up and basically put his foot down, and you could tell Kofi Kingston's winning that championship. The Kofi Kingston era is upon you, and the seriousness that that was presented with. And then you go back to Monday and you watch this train wreck of what happened on Monday night raw with the arrests and vehicular manslaughter and assaulting the police and fake arrests and cops bringing Becky to SmackDown so she can stand on a table. And the promo was more about the WrestleMania sign than it was Becky Lynch and all, all this other shit. It was so campy and it would be fine, but it's the main event of WrestleMania. This is the most serious sought after prize in the industry. It's the main event of WrestleMania. And I want that presented with the seriousness that Kofi Kingston was presented Tuesday on SmackDown, not this campy bullshit that went down Monday night on raw. Well, it, this is, this is a difference between, you know, with Kofi and Daniel, you have raw emotion. Uh, love Kofi, hate Daniel. It's you're there because of raw emotion, because you're, it's relatable with inside all of us. In, in any case, now on the side, you know, when we get to the women here, it is over the top, manufactured nonsense, and that's okay. You know, I, I enjoyed the segment. Yeah, on, there's a place for that. It's just not the main event of WrestleMania. Right, I'm with you, and and but we know what it's about. They're, they've been more invested in this women's thing. And they, the thing with Kofi, it, it wasn't planned. It was organic. It fell into their lap. So they're going to give the attention to the thing that they have put all this time and invested you know, their efforts in with the women's evolution. Unfortunately, it, it's just – and I hope that by not closing, I hope it doesn't diminish that moment for Kofi and those fans that are waiting for this. Well, I feel like no matter what happens, wherever Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan is on the card, anything that goes on after that, I don't care if you do it in hour three or if you do it in hour six, anything after that, that crowd's going to be dead. That's going to be the emotional peak of the show. That's what I'm saying. I I'm thinking if you could somehow, obviously we don't have intermission, but, you know, plan it where you do have your halftime after that show. Drop your confetti, have that moment, let people cool down, take a break. And, and that's probably the perfect spot for, like, the Elias segment. Make that your halftime. Go out there and give him, what, 15, 20 minutes because it's going to be background. Let people kind of come down from that high from Kofi and readjust themselves and get geared back up for what's going to come because it, it's going to be a great moment and you do not – in, inside of that, you don't want to take away from the other individuals that are going out there and busting their ass. Usually, it's the poor WWE championship that's put in that spot. Yeah, where you come off this over-the-top thriller of a match, and then they run out the championship in a you know in a classic, you know, back and forth chain kind of stuff. 
Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, winner takes all. Um, you know, I, I, I you, you've got me talked into this thing. I, I think that you're right. Charlotte must pose. Charlotte is going to win this match. I'm, I'm absolutely on board with you for a multitude of reasons. The biggest of which is the way that Becky came across Tuesday on SmackDown with the promo being more about the WrestleMania banner than it was about Becky Lynch. It, it just came across with the, the completely wrong tone to me. I think Charlotte's going to win this match. My question to you, how is Charlotte going to respond when the confetti is going off and there's 80,000 people booing her? I think you have to embrace it. Uh, and I, I want to, you know, bring up that article I was talking about where Seth Rollins is now going to be the face. They were talking it's going to be Becky that emerges as the female face. I want to remind everybody, and we're talking about long-term investments and the direction that WWE sees here. I, I've, in pitching this thing over the last couple of weeks, I've been talking about the future. Five to ten years, the footage, and, you know, what Charlotte is going to mean to this company as opposed to Ronda or Becky. Let's just go back here in time. Let's look at the past about who they've invested in. Who has been the number one investment here during this evolution? Who gets all the accolades? Who is building up the resume? Who is the alpha? The flag bearer? It's Charlotte. Even more recently, who's the one out on the PR trail? Who's the one that was there on stage to introduce Tampa as the host of WrestleMania 36? Who's the one doing all the interviews? Who's the one that they've put the cosmetic makeover on that she has become more idea for you know what they want as their poster child. Now he, here's my it fear. Here's my fear. I agree with everything that you just said, but I still think Charlotte winning is the wrong decision. I think that's what they're going to do. But my question to you, like this is the kind of thing where people are not only going to dislike Charlotte Flair for this, she's going to get booed out of the building in the Meadowlands. That's all fine and dandy, but this is the kind of thing that there's going to be long-term repercussions from it as well, where Charlotte's not going to be able to turn babyface anytime soon. This is going to last for a while. All those media places, all of the, all of the, the charity work and all that stuff, people aren't going to want Charlotte Flair because people are going to hate Charlotte Flair for this. If she wins this match, this is going to be Roman Reigns' heat. None of those individuals. And up, and up to this point, we've we've discussed this before. This isn't this. The difference here with Roman Reigns is they're embracing this. They've used this as her character. They've used this to get her heat. She is privileged, the entitled. She's having things handed to her. I mean, look at the heat that it caused when she took the title of the SmackDown Women's Championship. I mean, look at the atomic heat from that. Where in the case of Roman, they denied, denied, denied on air that that was, you know, that was the plan or anything like that. They made it look like the poor authority was holding down Roman. But they were also smart enough to know that when it came to the major media events, they didn't send Roman Reigns. They sent the Miz. Well, and that was also a case too of Miz was better in those spots. But 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 that's what I'm saying. So like you're, you're I'm I'm afraid that this is going to hurt Charlotte to that point to where people aren't going to want her for the events because people are going to hate Charlotte Flair for this if she walks out with both of those okay. titles. They they still the people at those events they don't care about who's the villain on television at most of these things. I mean it's. Stephanie McMahon still makes all of those rounds. And how hated is she on air? And by which you know, wrestling fans, right? I just, She's I got still a, over that place. The I brand got a feeling okay. this is not going to be good for Charlotte, man. I just oh, got that on. feeling. Every All right. So you're sitting in a creative meeting 
and it's real easy. Like we want to send everyone home happy. Let's, let's, let's just go the route and put Becky. But then there is that thing. Well, we've got all this invested in Charlotte and we're going forward with Charlotte. She has to, and Vince puts it down. She is winning this thing. So it's just not always, you know, cookie cutter stuff. You got to work around things like that. I think you could twist it where you do get some sympathy here on Charlotte at the end of this thing. And I'd actually, I would work in a Becky injury angle into this match where she can't finish the match. Um, here's my I question. Think it's more, I think it's more about where Charlotte's coming in here with the ultimate heat because in a wrestling sense, company sense, there's more heat on Charlotte than Ronda right now. They have to somehow filter all that, put all of that focus on Rousey and then somewhere in that match, build an alliance, get back to the best friends where they realize they need each other, just not just at a necessity to beat Ronda, but just that they love each other. I mean, they're, they're bonded. I think they need to put Becky Lynch over. I think they're going to put Charlotte over. I think they need to put Becky over. And here's my logic for the Becky thing. Ronda Rousey is already a star. She can go and she can do whatever the hell she wants. Charlotte Flair is already a star. I, I don't think that Charlotte walking out with both of these titles at WrestleMania come Monday, I don't think that Charlotte is any bigger of a star than she is otherwise. She's she's Charlotte Flair. We all know who Charlotte Flair is. I think, Becky Lynch, you can turn into a star Sunday at WrestleMania. I just don't think they're going to do it. We're talking about some like when you're sitting in a meeting and they're saying certain things have to happen. And I'll use your Charlotte must pose. What if there's the injury thing where Charlotte can't finish, but she comes back in and helps Becky win? Then you have the embrace of those two. You've got Charlotte there in the footage for that moment. You know, it's always a Hogan S kind of thing. Going, you're thinking about when Macho Man won the championship when he ran the the gauntlet in the tournament at WrestleMania four. Going off the air was still about Hogan. Yeah, that's a very good point. Well, well and, 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 and if, you, if you do do something like that, it would not surprise me at all if you do get the four horsewomen moment with all four of them in the ring. But well, yeah, you have you have Becky and or not Becky, uh, Sasha, Sasha and Bailey kind of come into the ring. So you have you have four titles present. Charlotte, obviously the star of the alpha, doesn't really need a championship to define her. Yeah, the others do. Do you agree with me? If Charlotte walks out with both of those titles Sunday night, she's no bigger of a star than she is if she loses that match. She's Charlotte Flair. She's still the star that is Charlotte Flair, and we all know it. Well, you have certain things, though. When she shows up on GMA the next day, and she's got both of those titles, those titles are elevated. Plus, we're also trying to push the worldwide expansion. And Becky, well, while she has an accent, when it, when you're doing stuff in the UK, as much as they're trying to push doing stuff in the UK, I could see them wanting to go with Becky in that position as well. Well, let's go back to let's talk about NXT UK and the opening of their performance center. Who did they send over there? It wasn't Becky? It was Shar Shar. They sent Balor. Yeah. For the local flavor, but they sent Shar Shar. And this is what I'm talking about. This investment here. People just they just want to look past it. They're they're just blind to it. There's a business sense of this thing. It's the marketing side. It's where they have gone. It's the direction that they want to go in. And it is Charlotte Flair. But I feel like this is one of those opportunities where there was a lot of times, whether it was Triple H or whether it was John Cena, that we were like, you know, whoever the opponent is, you can make them into a star by winning this match. 
if Becky Lynch pins Ronda Rousey or makes her tap, you can turn Becky Lynch into a star right here. It's a matter of will the WWE do it, and I don't think they will. I made a comment to you Monday, and I know everyone, it's kind of organic. They're having fun. They're behind the man and all this. The more I see of this character, the less impressed I am with it. It is just really some cheesy shilling to me. I, the more I see from her in it, I don't believe it. And going back Monday, I made this comment to you as you got to work Monday night. We're discussing Raw and all that. I went back and watched this thing twice just to make sure I was right and what I thought I saw. Monday night, you have the three of them involved in the arrest scene there. It's chaotic fun, if you will. Becky was a step behind those other two. It'll be she was a step behind. So I'm wondering if she's really ready for this thing. It'll be interesting to see how things play out on Sunday. Rick, I guess the big question that I have for you now is what is the headline for the locker room at hackerhameen.podbean.com on Monday? What is the first thing that we're going to be talking about? What is going to steal? And it might not be WrestleMania. Maybe it is Kazuchika Okada capturing the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Maybe it's Johnny Gargano capturing the NXT Championship. Hell, maybe it's Matt Riddle and Velveteen Dream putting on an eight-star classic. What's going to steal the headline? What's going to be the lead on Monday? I'm going to stick with WrestleMania, the main event, the conversation that we're closing with here today. If you don't like it, learn to love it because we are living in the queendom. I think the lead story on Monday is going to be that half of WrestleMania was a really, really good show. And then it died after Kofi Kingston wins the WWE championship and nobody cared about the final two and a half hours of the show. I think that'll be the lead story on Monday. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit us online at hittingthemarks.com for the full HTM podcast network. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. RBV, how do the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks find you? You know, I, I love it. I love hearing it. So I'm going to get on, on the fun and actually say it myself. Everyone out there, make sure you're heading on over to hittingthemarks.com. How cool is that? It's very excited. Very excited when you drop that off me. Uh, tremendous news. I know we've been talking and planning on it, but it, it, you pulled it out of nowhere on me. It's very exciting. Well, this you know, network thing is just taken off like crazy. And, you know, I just wanted everything organized and in one place. So now you can find Hitting the Marks there. You can find Tables, Athers, and Chairs there. You can find the PW Hustle. You can find the Impact Press Pass. You can find the Wrestle Popcast. You can find Turnbuckle Talk. All in one easy-to-go place. Just HittingTheMarks.com. And now I got links to all of our Twitter and Instagram and Twitch and all that crazy stuff. It's amazing the amount of information you can put on one website. Well, I do want to put over, you know, as always, especially with WrestleMania here. Uh, Facebook, make sure you're heading on over to, we'll, we'll plug them all. Uh, mainly the one that I'm usually 
involved with there is uh, the Hami Media Discussion Group. If you want to get a little more risque in your conversation, then uh, go over to the PW Hustle Discussion Group. If you want to pick up some great, just some news sources, uh, some great features going out through WrestleMania, the Gorilla Position, they have uh, a discussion group, as does Last Word on Pro Wrestling. Uh, so you can find all the links to their stories. And, and you know, in any of those groups, you're going to find some just tremendous minds talking professional wrestling this weekend. Be sure to check that out. Uh, also, Live Food or Die, my foodie page. We're going to be starting tomorrow. Everything is going to be pro wrestling themed. We're going to be uh, inviting you to, to share, you know, your home dishes. You know, what's what's happening at your parties as well as giving you some ideas for uh, some delicious eats that you can uh, whip up for WrestleMania, but just uh, follow me personally across all social media platforms at the real RBV. I had something else I was going to bring up and I was going to say, but I don't remember what it was. So, oh, I know, I know. Hey, Huckleberry, how do you feel about doing an NXT review and a G1 Supercard review? Uh, because Mr. Bello and uh, our, our friendly friends up there in the New York City area, they're actually going to be in attendance for all these shows. So they, they don't have time to be recording reviews. So we have been asked, Rick's learning this in real time. We have been asked to uh, do the Hameen Media NXT TakeOver review as well as the ROH New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Supercard review. And I think we'll syndicate them across both platforms. We'll be, we'll be putting those up over the course of the weekend as well. Works for me. I was actually going to talk to you, ask you about that when we got off the air here, uh, about the, the scheduling for the weekend, who's going to be where, who's available. But, you know, hey, give me a break. They're going to be in attendance. Take your equipment with you. You, you got to be. You got to be mobile. Get on if these, shit, if these, guys. If these, on. if these people have known some of the places I've cut shows from. Isn't that the freaking truth? My word. So that's it for Where's the, the dedication? show. What's that? I said, where's the dedication? That's it for this week's show. We'll talk to you probably tomorrow. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya. Watch your fingers. Label me. Don't give up. You bad guy.